Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Turfgrass Epistemology. I'm tangled up here. Okay. Thank you for joining me this morning. If this is your first time joining us, we broadcast live streams on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, all times Eastern Time. So if you want to join the live stream and participate and ask questions or whatever, those are the times that I'm almost always here. Occasionally we might have a guest author come on and discuss their publication. And when that happens, I work around their schedule. So it could be literally any time of the day. So, but most of the time we're here Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. <clears throat> I am not feeling better, <laughs> but I'm going to make it through. I was going to cancel and then I woke up, I got a little bit better in the last hour or two. So I could, I think I can get through it without grossing everybody out by coughing the entire time, but not a problem. I'll figure out a way to get through it. <clears throat> um, no, I, it's not that bad. Gray. I appreciate the comments, Gray. It's, but I can get through it. it it's, it's fine. <laughs> No, no, no problem. If the worst I have to do is wake up and talk about science with a little bit of of sore throat, then I'm doing pretty good. So, um, welcome, Gardener Earth guy. I I, I don't remember uh, you commenting before, but welcome. Um, I apologize if I forgot. I did notice you made some comments uh, last night in some of the articles. So I hope you're enjoying some of the the previous content. You're in Northeast California. We're going to talk about boron today. We're going to talk about boron a little bit more in detail in the coming months when we get more to micronutrients. Um, this next several these next several weeks, we're going to be talking more about specifically iron. But oftentimes, the scientific literature uh, will look at micronutrients. So one article won't general. Well, it's not true, but oftentimes an article will contain more than just iron. It'll contain zinc or boron or something else with it and that's the that's the paper today we're going to go over it contains a, a component of boron there are some there's very few there are very few articles on boron and turf grass there's maybe five or ten at the most I, I don't know of many but there are a few and we'll go over those <clears throat> looney good morning lush good morning welcome um Looney says his wife is having gum graft surgery somehow. Now I'm responsible for watching my own kids in the <laughs> welcome to my life. <laughs> my wife doesn't actually, I don't think she actually performs gum graft surgery herself. I don't think I'll have to ask her. I think that's in the world of periodontology, I think. So, but I'm not sure if she actually does gum grafts in, in the clinics herself. But I am, a, I am familiar with that topic, I guess. So anyway, welcome to Turfgrass Epistemology. So if, uh, here we're, we're looking to find how we know what we know about turfgrass science. Epistemology is the study of knowledge. Sounds a little bit circular if you're not familiar with that term. But we're trying, we're, we're investigating and, and pursuing the topic or the concept of how do we know when someone says, you should apply iron and you should apply iron with nitrogen because nitrogen takes it up quicker and you're going to you're going to get double dark green because the nitrogen and iron work to, work together to take up more of the iron and turn the grass greener than without nitrogen 
Oh, how do you know? You know, that, that's the question. How, how does someone know that? So the way in which I'm convinced many times is through reading scientific papers, literature, the scientific, um, literature is really the current best method to finding, you know, what is true, what is reality in the turf grass science world, really. The scientific literature is not always accurate. It's not always correct, but it's the best method we have at the moment. <clears throat> and so whenever possible, that is how we know we, we pursue the scientific literature. We ask questions. We spend a lot of time reading <laughs> and I know a lot of people don't want to do that. I know you'll, you'll see YouTube and they'll say, apply organic nitrogen in December, you know, apply it right before it goes dormant, you know, apply dormant, you know, f dormant feeding. By the way, there is no, the, 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 the term dormant feeding is an oxymoron. You can't feed the turf when it's dormant by definition, it's dormant. There is no cell division or cell elongation. So you're not, gonna, you're not going to feed it, but people just say these things, you know, trying to sell their stuff or convince you of whatever they're trying to convince you of. And the way we find out what is true is by pursuing the scientific literature. I mean, unfortunately, there's more nonsense out there than there is truth. And to find the truth is sometimes more difficult. It, it, anybody can get on YouTube and on magazines and say whatever they want to say to some degree. I mean, you know, there's not much stopping me from right now. I'm sitting in my lit, my di my office here and I can say whatever I want to say and, and, you know, there's very little restricting me at this point. Um, but it doesn't mean it's true. So there's a lot of information out there. That's not true. Not that's nonsense. And, um, the scientific literature has been vetted. It's been, you know, refereed and there's a better chance that the information in that those papers are accurate than, you know, collecting your information and your, you know, receiving information from other sources. So that's what we do here. <clears throat> oh, Looney has a 10 month old trying to get her, trying to, she's trying to get you to go walk. <laughs> Though to help her walk. Oh yeah. She's learning how to walk. I just leave, leave me on in the background, you know, in the speakers. I'll soothe her. You know, she'll, she'll, my, my voice is very <laughs> calming, not very exciting sometimes. Um, okay. So today we have an article and we have a video at the end and I'm showing the video at the end for a reason, because I want to, we haven't yet gone over the literature on iron yesterday's, uh, presentation, which I almost didn't do, which apparently I, maybe I should do more often, um, was sort of a summation of iron and turf grass. If you haven't had a chance to go watch that video, it was just yesterday. Today's December 12th. So it was, on, it was published on December 11th. And it was a it was a summation of sort of the situation. It was an introduction into the world of iron and turf grass. <clears throat> and but or but we didn't really go into the scientific literature. As you notice, I showed slides, and at the bottom of some of the data slides, I cited that those data. I cited if it was an agronomy journal or crop science or whatever. Well, from this point forward, we're going to be going over those articles. So. A good reason to be convinced is are, are these articles. A bad reason to be convinced is because Travis Shattuck said so on a, on a PowerPoint presentation yesterday. That's a horrible. That's a horrible reason. That's an appeal to authority, and that's we don't want to do that. 
I'm showing, I showed you as an introduction. Now we're going to go through. Now, how do you know, Travis? You showed that. How do you know? Now this is how we're going to know. We're going to go through. This is why I'm convinced. We're going to go through the literature now for the foreseeable future and hopefully build a case, build, build the model of turf grass iron, uh, one article at a time. Okay. And at the end, we're going to show a video today that, um, sort of, it's only a two or three minute video. But it's a video about iron, and there's a claim made, and this article it has con has content in it that is directly relatable to a claim in the video. So I'm hoping that it, it makes sense and, and it connects together. Okay, so let's get into the article. The article today is entitled, Iron, Manganese, Boron, and Zinc Effects on Growth of Marion, Kentucky Bluegrass. This was published in 1965 in, uh, oh dang it. Agronomy Journal. They changed these over the years that where they put them in Agronomy Journal in 1965. So Agronomy Journal is put out by the Crop Science Society, the Tri Society, Crop Science Society, Soil Science Society, and, and American Society of Agronomy. All those the, uh, the Tri Societies. You can go to agronomy.org. You can paste. You can actually just copy and paste that title into Google, and it'll pop right up. Yeah, I think you have to pay for this article, but. Um, you can find this article and read the abstract. And if you are so inclined to pursue in more in depth, the, you know, scientific literature, the ASA or any of the trust societies would be good options to be a member of. And it's not that much, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks a year, whatever it is to have access to decades and decades of scientific literature. If your heart so desires, you can pursue that. So, all right. If you have any questions or any comments, put them in the chat. I can't, I can't follow both at the same time. I'm a one man show here, but I'll do my best. I, I'll end up either going back through them, um, throughout the article, or I'll go, I'll be sure to address them before I close out today. So, um, I apologize if you've done that in the past and I just miss it. So it's not my intent to over, over, overlook anything. Let me get my pen out here. Okay. So iron, manganese, boron, and zinc. <clears throat> These are Three of the micronutrients that are commonly applied or often applied, iron and manganese, are the only two that I would recommend you would consider in your program. Um, the other micronutrients are they're almost never of any value in turf grass management. Again, this is just my opinion. We haven't I haven't yet shown you any evidence to explain explain why that's my opinion. But iron and manganese have been shown to induce a response both foliar and granular most of the time foliar iron is the option to use unless you're using a chelate and even chelates have to be applied at the right rate but anyway the borons and the zincs of the worlds and the molybdenums and all these things are in these micronutrient packages i gotta have a good micronutrient package you know all that's almost complete nonsense there's very very little evidence to support the inclusion of any micronutrient other than iron and manganese except in specific cases where it's been documented and diagnosed that that's the actual deficiency, which is exceedingly rare to, to see a boron deficiency or a zinc deficiency, extremely rare to see that. So keep that in mind as we go through the next several weeks. All right, here we go. The importance of micronutrients in plant nutrition has been well established. Much of the now remember this is 1965. They didn't know then what we know now. Now, obviously, it's still important, but there, a lot of the things you'll see in this paper are not what they would be today. They, they weren't written that the way they would need to be written today. There's, a, there's some things in this paper that are very useful. This is a very important paper. It's the reason I'm starting with it. There's some things in here that um, aren't 
exactly the, what they're saying. Probably there's a couple things that are off in here that I'll explain, but it's a very important paper to set the stage for turfgrass responses to these elements. Okay, particularly when it comes to the inclusion or exclusion of nitrogen. Much of the research to date from 1965 has been designed to determine the maximum concentration plants can tolerate and minimum concentrations on which they can subsist. So they're trying to find the maxes up, up until 1965. They're trying to see what is the minimum level they could survive on and what is the maximum level where they would eventually die. Okay. Or eventually, right below that where they wouldn't die, I guess. Information is very limited concerning the effects of micronutrients on rate of growth of grasses, particularly turf grasses. This is probably because micronutrient deficiencies and toxicities are seldom encountered with turf grasses. 1965. <coughs> micronutrient deficiencies, like I just said, they're almost never seen in turf grasses. And yet, there's all sorts of micronutrient packages constantly going out. Okay, a lot of money spent on micronutrient packages, micronutrient blending facilities, not just for turf grasses. I mean, there's not much money in turf grasses for these micronutrient facilities, but those micronutrients for ag from those blending facilities um, are used in turf grasses. If you ever want to see the most disgusting, dirty, filthy, just god awful mess of a blending facility, go to a micronutrient blending facility. It is, just, it is just vile. I've been in a lot of blending facilities and they're dirty. Like if you go and blend fertilizer, you go to a blending facility or you go on a tour or something like that, they're dirty. They're, you, they, you have front end loaders and there's stuff all over the, so the ground and mud and all sorts of stuff. But that's nothing compared to micronutrient deficient, uh, micronutrient blending facility. They're, they are vile. <laughs> Dust everywhere. It's horrible. Anyway, I digress. The study reported herein was initiated to determine whether or not growth of Marion, Kentucky bluegrass turf would be enhanced or reduced by high concentrations of micronutrients without seriously affecting turf quality. And if so, to what extent? So they used iron, manganese, boron, and zinc in the, in the study. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to discuss some of these papers he mentions. This o this o o Oertley et al. paper. This is a boron paper. This is one of the earliest boron papers I, I'm aware of. We're not going to talk about it too much today, but we will talk about this paper when we get to boron. And it says here that this these investigators observed necrosis of leaf tips on turf grass when high concentrations of boron were used. I recently came across some videos on YouTube talking about boron and you you know how to apply boron. Here's how to apply boron. Take whatever boron you have in your shop and return it to the distributor and get your money back. That's how to, that's how to apply it. There's almost a zero chance you'd ever see a beneficial response to applying boron to turf grass, especially under fairly normal conditions. The likelihood that you're ever going to diagnose a boron deficiency in turf grass is essentially zero. As someone said yesterday, they like the comment. It's, it's the lowest positive, lowest possible positive number. That's that's the likelihood you'll ever see or cure a boron deficiency by applying boron to turf grass. It just it's just not going to happen under almost every conceivable scenario. So, and the reason that's important to to understand and to value is that 
when there's there's more documented cases of boron toxicity than there are positive responses to boron. So when once you get boron into a certain concentration in the soil or applying it to a foliar to the leaves, you have a very good chance of causing some problems. <clears throat> so I would not be spending any money on boron. And we'll go over that in detail. Again, this is my opinion. You don't know anything other than what I'm this is my opinion. But this paper says this basically. This Ortley paper says that. And many of the other papers also say that there are occasionally some like this paper has a small benefit to applying boron. You'll see it in here, but most of the cases that doesn't happen. Um, so it says here, this, this turf grass, salt tolerant turf grass, green color increased with boron concentrations, but improved color disappeared within a month after treatments were discontinued. Frequent, cl frequent clipping, Frequently clipped turf grass tolerate higher boron concentration. That's what that paper says. They, they delineate where the boron con um, concentrations were in the leaf, and they determined that frequently removing the clippings reduces the chances of boron toxicity. Anyway, we'll get into boron later. But just until we get into boron, I really do mean that. If you have any boron, I would avoid applying it because the, the chances of you causing problems, in my opinion are going to be greater than the chances of you curing problems by applying boron. Okay. So I would not be doing that. Marion, Kentucky, this is experimental procedure, the materials and methods, Marion, Kentucky bluegrass was seeded in the greenhouse. So this is a greenhouse study. The soil, this is for, I think it was Western mass turf has this soil pH. I can't remember now. Um, the soil here was a 4.5 pH. Okay. So, I don't know the extractant they use. I thought it was, uh, I mean, this is 1965. So this is before the Malik extractants. I think this was even for the Morgan extractants. I can't remember now, but the soil test as described by Hannah and Purvis. I don't know this. I'll have to look that up. But anyway, showed four pounds of manganese and 0.7 pounds of boron. Don't you don't go by these rates because I don't know what that extractant was. I have no idea. But the organic matter content and all macronutrients were very low and the pH was 4.5 in this soil. So it's in the greenhouse and they seeded Kentucky bluegrass. Now, because the pH was 4.5 prior to the planting, the soil was limed to a pH of 7.2. And a 10-6-4 fertilizer was applied at 6 pounds. So they fertilized the soil, they blended it in, they, they limed it, they got it up to a, a pH that they could be confident to some degree that it's not the pH isn't going to alter their results. Micronutrients were applied 2 pounds of nitrogen da, 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 between seeding and the time that, oh, between seeding and the time micronutrients applied, they applied nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium and so forth. Basically, they're preparing the soil so that those, those elements wouldn't cause some sort of conflict or flaw in their, in their materials and their methodology. Okay, so when the plants were six months old, the treatments were applied at, the iron was applied at 110 and 50 pounds per acre. Now, if you've heard me say you want to apply one to five pounds of iron per acre, there's more than one reason for that. This paper is partially one reason for that. <coughs> I don't want to gross you guys out, but I'm going to have to put in a cough drop. <coughs> I'm really sorry. I know it sounds funny when I'm talking with a cough drop in my mouth, but I'm not going to be able to talk at all without it. <coughs> so one ten and five pounds. So this is a little bit of a rate. They didn't do a rate study necessarily the way you would do a rate study, but they included different rates. One ten and 50 pounds of iron. Manganese went out at 1.5, 15 and 75 pounds. Boron went out at 1.5 and 7.5 pounds and zinc at 5 and 25 pounds per acre. So they had various rates of these elements, a high rate and a low rate. 
basically. The highest rate of each element was applied in one application and all other rates in two applications. So they split the low applications into two applications, split, split the low rates into two applications and the high weight ran out as one. Now, this is critical. What I've highlighted in red here, I'll read it for you guys listening. <clears throat> EDTA was applied at 141 pounds per acre to all iron treatments. And then laboratory, and then he identifies the, the raw material they used for all the treatments. Laboratory grade salts of each element were used and applied as a soil drench. Now, why that's important is because we're going to see um, influences from some of these elements that we generally won't see. But I don't know the salt they used. If they use the chloride salt, then I'm com more confident in the results. If they use a sulfate salt, then I'm less confident in the results. Because you're not going to see a turf grass response to chlorine. But you might see a turf grass response to sulfate. So I don't know. I'm not saying it's the methodology is flawed to the point it's a fatal flaw. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that my confidence isn't quite as good as it could be because I don't know the salt that they used. All right. And I want to just make set that stage before we go on because this is a very short paper. We'll be done in no time here. Two levels of fertility were maintained. So they had low fertility, which was no nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium. And then they had high fertility, which was 25 pounds of a 1064. So it was 2.5 pounds of nitrogen were applied every three months. So they had no, so these, these iron, manganese, and zinc and boron treatments were applied under no nitrogen, and then they were applied under high nitrogen. And they wanted to see the differences if nitrogen had an influence on these, on these responses. And you'll see that very clearly in this graph. I, like I said, this, this, this is a very important paper. <clears throat> Results in discussion. Okay, just so we're clear, they're in... A greenhouse with Marion, Kentucky bluegrass with a soil that had a very low pH, 4.5, and they lined it up. They prepared the soil so that those elements or that those variables wouldn't unnecessarily or unknowingly alter the results of the micronutrient responses. Okay. They applied several different rates of manganese, you know, zinc, boron, iron. They applied them under high end and low end. Okay. The iron they applied was most likely iron sulfate, I don't know. But they applied EDTA just on the iron plots. Because even back then, <laughs> even in 1965, they knew iron's going to oxidize out almost instantly. And so they applied, it, they applied it with EDTA. In 1965, and here we are in 2023, <clears throat> and I don't know how many thousands hundreds of thousands of tons of fertilizer go out with iron sulfate in them they knew this 50 years ago that that's not going to do anything and yet we're still putting out the same nonsense the same unnecessary forms of iron non-useful forms of iron we're still paying for it we're still staining miss jones's patio we're still having to go back and clean it up and pay our employees to go clean up a mess that we didn't even need to make because we didn't need to apply iron sulfate because it's not going to induce a response, which we're going to get to. Not in this paper, but we'll get to that. But even in 1965, guys, they knew this. This is not new. You're, I'm going to show two or three of my papers at the very end of this iron topic. 
and it's going to it's going to drive a nail into the coffin of iron sulfate granular granular applied iron sulfate but they knew it 50 years ago <clears throat> so please do yourself a favor avoid staining all the driveways and patios and sidewalks and ha avoid having to go and pay to clean all that stuff up by not applying fertilizer that contains either iron sulfate or manganese sulfate those two metals will stain the bejesus out of concrete and it's not they're not going to do a lick of good for the turf okay all right let's go to the results and discussion effects of iron and i'm going to show these mostly results in these graphs but i'm going to read this just so i don't miss anything because this is a very short paper Effects of iron. Turf grass grown at a high level of fertility showed no appreciable color response to iron. Now, if you've ever heard, <clears throat> oh, you can apply uh, night. You're gonna. We got iron. We got six percent iron in this fertilizer with nitrogen. You're gonna apply it, and it's gonna get double dark green because the nitrogen helps uh, facilitate the uptake of iron. Not in this study. Okay. Turf grass grown at a high level of fertility showed no appreciable color response to iron. So when you're applying nitrogen in a blend with iron in, on Kentucky bluegrass, <laughs> this is pretty strong evidence to indicate you ain't going to see a whole lot from that iron. The nitrogen is going to mask it. The or they're not even going to mask it. It's the nitrogen is going to show the response. It's going to move the quality up, the color up so high that any any benefit of the iron is not going to be noticeable so there's no need to apply it severe burning and dark brown discoloration of lower leaves were evident in low fertility cultures where the 50 pound rate of iron was added so what he's saying is where the where we applied 50 pounds of iron when there was no fertility it was it burned the grass pretty straightforward okay <clears throat> and i'm gonna well they don't really show that that well in the graphs but I'll get to the graphs in a minute. Total shoot growth, i.e. height of growth, height of regrowth and dry matter production between mowings was unaffected by iron at either fertility level. Now, you've always heard iron won't change the growth rate of the, hat, the, of the turf. Iron is not going to, you can apply green, green without growth, right? You can apply iron and it's not going to change the, the, the growth rate or growth of the, of the turf. That is not true. There is... Uh, one paper we're going to go over. Let's let's see actually where where it is in the pipeline. I think it's like twelve papers down. Eleven papers down, unfortunately. <laughs> so eleven papers from now, we're going to go over another paper that clearly shows in some cases the application of iron will increase the growth rate of turf grass. Any element that's deficient to the point where it's retarding the growth of the turf, when applied, will alter the growth rate of the turf okay in general the case is true where applying foliar iron will not result in a growth in general but that's not always the case and i'm going to show some evidence of that in this in this case they didn't find that in this case the growth rate didn't change so this is one strike or one one mark in the column of no growth rate change but that is not it, it oftentimes it's said or it's mentioned as if this is absolute truth absolute fact that applying iron isn't going to change the growth rate of the turf it is not absolute fact applying iron can in fact change the growth rate of the turf under certain conditions and we'll, we'll talk about that as we move through the next several weeks iron was added to the turf grown in the low fertility level 
iron, uh, when, when, was, when added in the low fertility level, produced a rapid increase in intensity of green color that lasted for four to five weeks. And a slight improvement in color was notable for 16 weeks. So let's look in this graph. For those listening, I'll do my best to describe it, if I can get it on the page here. So this is figure one. We're looking at a line graph. On the x-axis, we have weeks after application from 1 to 25. And on the y-axis, we have color ratings from uh, 1 to 10. <clears throat> okay. Uh, the, uh, let's see, rating scale, 10 equals dark green color. So 1 would be brown and 10 would be dark green color. They didn't have a minimum back here in 1965. So we have various panels. One panel is for zinc, one panel for boron, one panel for manganese, and one panel for iron. Right now we're on iron, so let's talk about iron. So the the week one, five. So week one and five is like right in here, and nine's in here somewhere, okay? The dark lines on this graph, or on the top, are the high fertility lines. The lighter lines, so all these are the high fertility lines. The lighter lines are the low fertility lines. When you see this solid line here, which is going from a two up to about a four in color, that is no, not, no iron. And you see the same solid line up here in the high fertility. That's no iron. And then we have one pound of iron per acre, 10 pounds of iron per acre, and 50 pounds of iron per acre. So these other dotted lines and dashed lines are the increasing rates of, of iron. And what I want to point out is when the nitrogen is applied, <clears throat> there is virtually no, and he said there is, there was no effect of a, no benefit of applying iron with the nitrogen. When you're applying nitrogen, the grass turned greener and applying iron was not necessary. It was, un, it was useless. There was no difference between applying the nitrogen with no iron and applying the nitrogen with iron. Uh, it can't be any more clear than that. Okay. When you did not apply any nitrogen at all and you applied only iron, then there was some benefit. You went from a two on a color scale to a six on a color scale when you applied 110 or 50 pounds of iron. Okay, so you, you do see some benefit to applying granular iron EDTA in terms of color when no nitrogen was applied. And it, for the most part, I mean, it said for the first five weeks, so up to here, there was a, there was a color response. So to, to five weeks, I think he said. And then there was a, generally speaking, a, an increase in color for, for a prolonged period to, I don't know, whatever, whatever week this is to 13, whatever he said in the paper, it's 13 weeks or so where you're not applying any nitrogen, the application of iron can help the iron EDTA to the soil at one five, oh, I'm sorry, one ten or 50 pounds. Now at the very, very high rate towards the end, you see this 50 pounds of iron, right? This line coming down right here at the very end of the study, very, very high rate. You start to see some toxicity when it's, when you finally get to the end there you do, you do see that very high rate being a problem okay so at the end we're going to show a video that says nitrogen with iron is double dark well not on kentucky bluegrass in 1965 when you applied iron with nitrogen there was iron was useless your iron is really best used on low fertility turf grass if you're going to see a benefit to applying iron in terms of color, you need to apply it with without the elements that also provide color at a at a more at a greater likelihood, like nitrogen. Nitrogen's almost always going to provide an increase in color and growth. Well, you're masking any effect from iron, so don't apply it. Save yourself some money. 
This is why I like iron. I, I was talking to my wife the other day. There, there's very little no, current research in iron and turf grass. It, there's three or four papers in the last five or 10 years, but, and those are mostly my papers, I believe. But the reason for that is there's no money in it. Who's going to pay someone to do research on turf grass iron? No one. So the, the researchers and the scientists are busy on grants, trying to figure out bigger problems in our ecosystems, you know, in our communities. They're not trying to figure out practical stuff like, should you be using iron or not? Or what is the benefit of using iron or not? <laughs> so there's, there's not much, there's not much interest in it. You know, there's nobody, nobody's paying for it. Believe me, if some of these association were throwing tens of thousands of millions of dollars at trying to figure out the iron situation, how can we induce an iron response with, you know, from granular fertilizers? everybody be jumping on board but but no one there's no money in it right now so there's not a lot of research current current research these these papers in 1965 show right here apply some nitrogen take out the iron you're going to get the same response that's what this graph shows okay <laughs> that's, I, I don't know i don't know how much clearer to make it 50 freaking years ago they knew it and I'm, I did th two or three studies, which I'm going to show at the end, and it's basically the same exact thing. You apply nitrogen, you're going to see a green response. You don't need to apply any more iron, especially if it's a granular application. Okay? <clears throat> you end up causing more problems when, you try, when you're trying to think. You think you're trying to fix problems by applying manganese and boron and zinc and these things. And you end up causing more problems more likely than you would solve them. Anyway. Effects of manganese. The application of 1.515 and 75 pounds of manganese per acre did not affect clipping yields or height of regrowth between mowing. The low rates increased intensity of green color on turf grown at the low fertility. So once again, you saw a response to manganese at the low fertility, but not at the high fertility. It also simulated root growth. All rates of manganese increase saw density and turf grown at low soil fertility. Responses to iron and manganese by Marion, Kentucky bluegrass were to, in many respects, similar. No toxicity symptoms were observed at rates used in this experiment. <clears throat> and the reason I highlighted that in terms of the, the response is very similar is because the response to iron and manganese is very similar. These elements sit right next to each other on the, on the element of the periodic table. And the turf response to those, and even the turf uh, deficiency symptoms in those, can, is very difficult to delineate, differentiate, I'm sorry, to differentiate between manganese and iron deficiencies in turf grass, especially very fine bladed turf grass, is very difficult. It's not easy. You have to know what you're doing. And the response to applying those elements is also very similar. The staining of concrete and wood and whatever you want to, whatever it lands on is also very similar, almost identical. Okay. So it's very unlikely you're going to have a manganese response relative to iron response. Manganese is more, a little bit more soluble. When I get to the iron uh, solubility studies at the end, I included manganese and you'll see manganese does remain more soluble a little bit longer than iron does. Uh, it will become insoluble, no question, but it stays soluble for a little longer. Um, so there, there is some similarities there in terms of the color responses and the staining, <clears throat> but manganese can remain soluble for a little bit lo longer than iron. So the manganese, what he's talking about here on this graph is the same graph for those listening, color rating, manganese 
uh, with the high end and no end, and you'll see zero manganese, 1.5 and 7.5. And you'll see with no manganese at the high rate of N re resulted in about a nine on the color scale. And when you added in 1.5 manganese, you're at about a seven at five weeks. Okay. Then there, and after that, there really was no difference much until very, very end of the study when you saw 7.5 resulting in a reduction. So once again, and actually in the beginning of the study, it was a great deal of reduction. There was a two or three from the 7.5 pounds of manganese at the early part of the study relative to a six from applying no manganese. So at, under the high nitrogen application regime. So high nitrogen, there was no benefit to applying manganese. There was only either no benefit or a reduction in color from manganese application. Oh, I'm sorry. This is, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm on the wrong graph. I'm talking about boron. I'm sorry. I messed up. I erased what I just said. I apologize. So <clears throat> manganese, I jumped ahead. I was excited about talking about boron. With manganese, there, well, with manganese, there's very little benefit at all. Again, in the high, the high nitrogen, there was very little benefit to applying manganese. There might've been a little bit of a bump here at the very beginning. But other than that, the high nitrogen, there was there was no benefit to applying manganese with nitrogen. There might have been a little bit of benefit when you're not applying nitrogen at the beginning. So here at the beginning, there's a two on the color scale relative to six at the high at the high manganese level. High manganese level resulted in a, a pretty big bump in color early on. I don't know for sure, but I suspect this reduction in manganese color is a result of oxidation of that manganese eventually coming out of out of solution. Anyway. With no nitrogen, manganese was a little bit beneficial. With no nitrogen, iron was a little bit beneficial. With high nitrogen, neither iron or manganese showed much of a color response at all. And the same thing holds true for density. This is the density graphs where the <clears throat> high nitrogen for iron had no benefit for applying iron. And the high nitrogen for manganese showed no benefit to applying manganese. Okay. I'm sorry about it. I screwed up on the, the boron thing here. Now let's get to boron. Height of height of regrowth between mowings and dry matter production of turf grown at a low level fertility were not affected by 1.5 or 7.5 pounds of boron per acre. So the density of these cultures was increased for five weeks after application figure two. The 1.5 pound rate produced a very rapid increase in intensity of green color or of low fertility turf, which was evident for five weeks. Figure one and stimulate regrowth. Okay. So boron, excuse me. What he's talking about a boron now, we're going to get to boron. Sorry. Boron, where what he's talking about right here, there was this increase right here for five weeks from the application of boron. But after that, there was no benefit. When no nitrogen was applied, there was no benefit. When high nitrogen was applied, there was a disadvantage. It went from a two or three on the color scale to a six. So I'm sorry, when, let's say it started at six. When you applied these high rates of boron, the quality went from a six to a two or, or from a nine to a five um, up, up until five to nine weeks out. So there was a reduction in, in color resulting from the application of boron at 7.5 pounds when nitrogen was applied at high rates. And here you see, no, and, and then there was no difference between applying no boron or high boron at the high fertility rate. At the low fertility rate, there might have been a little bit increase at the very beginning and then nothing. 
<clears throat> and density on boron uh, really wasn't wasn't a whole lot going on with uh, boron uh, in terms of any difference between the density and the and the color. There might have been a little bit of increase here at the beginning, and then uh, with no nitrogen being applied, and then there was no difference after five weeks. Boron or no boron, there was no benefit at the high nitrogen rate. So you're applying nitrogen at a high rate, which is very consistent with what you'd no applying nitrogen very consistent with what you normally do. The application of boron resulted in a reduction in density from nine to six and a half almost here. And then at the end too. So you're seeing a, a reduction, a biologically significant reduction in density and color following the application of boron. Please don't do that. Okay. Stop applying boron. <clears throat> it's not wise. There was... <clears throat> And this is one reason why I, I say, and I've said it for a long time. Let's see if I can get this on the screen here. I can't off to zoom all the way out to get this table. Is that I am not in favor of applying anything unless you have a good reason. And I'm not aware of almost any good reason to apply boron. If you give me a good reason to apply boron, I'll give you five reasons to not apply it. I mean, it's just... The scientific literature and the evidence just doesn't su support a regular application to boron at all. You'd have to diagnose it first. Otherwise, look what can happen. You can you can result in a low fertility. I mean, a low uh, quality, low, low color, low density. Even at, at high nitrogen rates, even you know you're applying nitrogen, you're applying boron. You can you, know, you could be causing problems. <coughs> <coughs> I'm really sorry about my, my voice here. Let me get to the roots and I'll start addressing your questions. Now looking at table one, plant height, dry weight with rhizomes and roots and top root, rate, top root ratios of Marin Kentucky bluegrass 25 weeks after application. So the check is in yellow. I'm not going to worry about top root ratio stuff. But there was, uh, what I want to look at is rhizomes and roots. When you applied iron at one pound per acre, there actually was at 25 weeks a beneficial increase in root mass in grams. It went from 4.2 to 4.7, which was significant. Higher rates of nitrogen did not result in a benefit, but that one pound rate did. The rhizome, the high rate of iron, reduced the, the, the weights of rhizome, so below ground stems, significantly from 268 milligrams to 111, so it reduced it by more than half the 50 pounds per acre. So the iron here is causing likely a toxicity and resulting in a reduction in rhizomes from the 50 pounds per acre. The manganese showed a beneficial increase in root mass from 4.2 to 4.8 at the one at the low rate of manganese, 1.5 pounds per acre, and 15 pounds per acre resulted in 4.9. So there wasn't much of a benefit from increasing the rate of manganese, but the application of 1.5 pounds of manganese in this case resulted in an increase in root weight. And then the rhizomes for zinc. We didn't talk about zinc much, but the application of 25 pounds of zinc per acre resulted in a reduction in rhizome weight of nearly, what, 75% from 343 to, to 98 uh, milligrams. So I'm just saying below, below ground, there can be things happen, both positive and negative. If you don't know what you're doing, this is what I'm talking about. If you don't know what you're doing, don't do it. Get a good reason before you do it because you could cause problems. 
Okay, here's rhizome weight being reduced from apl applying iron and applying zinc, and you're out here spraying all these micronutrient packages, and you don't realize you're, you're assuming. I think I could be wrong. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, my understanding is you're assuming that there can't really be much bad things happen. So I'm gonna go ahead and apply this micronutrient package because it has iron and manganese, and you see a green color from those elements. Meanwhile, the other elements, especially at different at higher rates or, or, or non-safe rates. Could actually be causing problems. That's the reason I'm saying that's the reason I say don't do something unless you have a good reason. If you have a good reason to apply iron, great, but don't apply it with iron and boron, iron and zinc, because there may be an equally bad reason to apply boron or apply zinc. You know, you could be shooting yourself in the foot and not even realize it. <clears throat> All right, we're coming down to the end, almost done. And we're going to have a fun video at the end, and hopefully, you can pick out. What he says is being, you know, an issue. When applied to turf grown at a high level of fertility, 7.5 pounds of boron per acre stimula stimulated taller growth in higher yields of dry matter for six weeks than did the untreated turf. However, so at the beginning it increased it. However, during the remaining weeks of the experiment, less growth was produced, resulting in an overall average similar to that of untreated cultures. So in other words, you saw it go up at the end, at the beginning, you saw it go way down at the, at the end, and at the end there was no difference when you averaged it across the whole study. During the first three, 13 weeks, this, treat, this treated grass produced leaves that were pale green and sod which was thinner than the, obser the observed turf which received 1.5 pounds of boron. During this period, leaves were wider and thinner than in other cultures and had a much greater tendency to roll and twist. Between mowings, the terminal 6 to 12 millimeters of cut leaves died. So in other words, <clears throat> There were problems with boron. <laughs> Stop applying it. <laughs> it's not complicated. I mean, I, honestly, I mean, people think sometimes I'm being facetious. I literally do nothing to my lawn until there's, you know, a good reason. So, actually, right now, actually, I might post this on your Discord server, who if uh, the Grass Factor Discord server, because I cut down two black cherries in my backyard, big, like sixty-year-old black cherries. I cut down, um, I counted the rings on, I counted down, I, I kind of stopped counting at 85. So somewhere around 85 year old elm tree. And I ground them all down, six inches down and foot down, whatever it was. I grounded everything out and put in some soil, got it all done and put some grass in there. And man, I can't get grass to grow there. <clears throat> it looks horrible. I can, I, I, grass can grow everywhere else, but not right where those stumps were. I just can't, it's super chlorotic. Not, that doesn't look good at all. And I can't figure it out. So that's a good reason to go do a soil test, you know, to go, you know, I've tried, I thought it maybe it was a sulfate deficiency. I tried some sulfate, it didn't work. I tried some other things, didn't work. Now I'm at my wits end. I'm wondering if there's something about like old root stumps being ground down that would cause some sort of phytotoxicity or something, the newly emerging grass plants. I don't know, but it's awful. Anyway, the point is the same thing goes with boron. No, I got a problem. I'm going to apply boron. We well, could be causing problems, you know, <laughs> don't do it. Throughout the experiment, grass response to fertility levels was much more striking than response to differences in micronutrients. In other words, nitrogen was 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 what was really causing or resulting in a, an increase in quality, not the micronutrients. I mean, show me one micronutrient up here. Let's look at it. On the color graphs, let's look at the color graph. One micronutrient that resulted in an increase in color under under nitrogen fertility. Not here at iron. These weren't different. There's a difference between 8 and 8 point, or 7.7 7 or whatever. So not under iron. 
not under manganese. Here's the, oh, I drew a red line on it. So no, no, manganese didn't result in increase in color under nitrogen application. Boron resulted in a reduction in color under nitrogen applications. And zinc didn't have any, have any difference. So under this study on Kentucky, Marion, Kentucky bluegrass in a greenhouse, granted, iron, manganese, boron, and zinc didn't provide any benefit when applied with nitrogen. Okay. Snip that one out. <laughs> okay. Summary and conclusions. Iron, manganese, boron, and zinc at, at the rates used in this study did not produce a major effect on shoot growth of Marion, Kentucky bluegrass turf. High rates were often detrimental to turf quality. So we're going to summarize this up in seven points here. Iron, manganese, boron, and zinc had no appreciable effect on regrowth between mowings. All rates of iron and the low rates of manganese and boron produced a temporary increase in intensity of green color of grass when applied to turf grown at the low level of fertility. So no nitrogen. Density of sod was temporarily increased by all rates of these elements. So you could argue that this is good evidence to include some of these micronutrients in locations where there's nitrogen blackouts when no nitrogen can be applied. Okay, so here's some evidence to support that management practice. But not when you're applying nitrogen. All rates of iron adversely affected sod density of highly ter fertilized turf for about 10 weeks. All rates of iron adversely affected density of highly fertilized turf. I mean, stop doing it. I mean, good grief. And he's, what he's talking about is this. I didn't go into this a whole lot in detail here, but he's talking about this graph right here. These 10 weeks right here of, uh, of applying iron from, it went from no iron was at seven point, whatever, 7.5 applying the iron was at 6.5. So it reduced the, the, the density by a point out to about whatever he said, 10 weeks, nine weeks, whatever it was. So in this case, you are applying iron and resulting in a and a reduction it's causing a problem you paid for it and you're getting the opposite effect from what you're expecting it's not helping you okay <clears throat> zinc did not affect color of grass or density so zinc wasn't useful at all great greater root weights were common for low rates of iron boron and zinc and low and medium rates of manganese so lower rates had had a and better impact than higher rates on roots. Iron applied at 50 pounds per acre and zinc at 25 pounds per acre greatly retarded rhizome development. So again, we talked one to five pounds per acre. We don't talk 50 pounds per acre of iron for a reason. And this is one, one reason of many reasons why we do not want to apply more iron is not always better. And that's, that's what it, you know, more iron is not always better. And here's an example of why we say that toxicity symptoms were evident in shoots when 50 pounds of iron were, were applied to turf grown at a low level of fertility. So lots of iron with no fertility got problems with toxicity. Boron applied at 7.5 pounds per acre was toxic to highly fertilized turf. So boron was toxic, whether it was fertilized and highly fertilized. These micronutrients had little value for controlling growth of Marion, Kentucky bluegrass. Iron, manganese, and boron did, however, show some value for improving turf quality for a few weeks following their application to turf grown with a low level of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Okay, so low or no nitrogen, you can see some benefit. That's the take-home message. You're going to apply it with nitrogen, you're not going to see much benefit. Okay, 
We're going about to show a video that says, says the opposite. Let's go into the, the chat and see if what I missed. <clears throat> Lush says boron is like a cowbell. You always need more boron. I don't Lush. I don't know how many people know what you're referring to there, but I do. <laughs> One of the greatest SNL skits ever with uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> that was a great skit. I love that one. Uh, gar uh, Gardener Earth Guy says, I came up spraying iron sulfate in Durzban for the first app on Cool Season in the 90s. I knew we were killing moss, but I never thought it really doing much except making people w want black lawns. Yeah. Okay. Looney says, clip that out, return it, and get your money back. Oh, so I should maybe clip that out. Grass Factor's here today. Uh, no, <laughs> I appreciate the kind words. I, I don't know if I feel that same way, but I appreciate your thoughts. <clears throat> the YouTuber 49 says spoon feed iron on greens help control silver thread moss. <clears throat> the idea that iron will control moss has been around for a long time. A lot of these things like moss out will have a component of iron in them. I admit my ignorance to that topic. I know that that exists in the, you know, turf grass sphere. The idea that applying iron will control moss and maybe it does. I don't know. I, I do know there's a little bit of literature on that. I just can't recall it quick enough to answer that question. Um, but that may be something I can add in to the pipeline of articles to discuss whether or not iron has a benefit to moss and silver thread moss. But I am aware that that is a very common theme with iron. <clears throat> um, I'm not sure about what you're saying. I'm going to skip that one. Uh, uh, we would see some results. Oh, oh, Looney asks, would we see similar results with magnesium sulfate? Oh, that's a great question. I love that question. The answer is absolutely not. You would not expect to see a similar response to magnesium sulfate as you do to iron or manganese sulfate. Absolutely not. As far as I'm aware, there's only one paper that's actually looked at iron, manganese, and magnesium sulfates in the same paper. And we will discuss that at the end of the, of the topic, weeks from now, a month from now, whatever. Magnesium responses in turf grass are exceedingly rare very 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 rare even at very low soil magnesium levels i have documented it i will show a publication uh, weeks from now that does document that <clears throat> we had one response to i think i believe it was foliar magnesium sulfate at the very 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 end of a two-year study in one location we saw finally saw one little pop up on the quality. So basically you can look at it like this. We did, <clears throat> I don't want to get it wrong, but I'll go over it when I get to it. <clears throat> My voice is starting to go guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is I want to say it was like two 12 week studies at one location and two 12 week studies at the other location. So let's, uh, I, I, I'm going to get it wrong, but let's say there was 48 weeks of ratings. One of those 48 weeks of ratings, we saw a response to magnesium sulfate. 
and almost all the 48, let's say whatever it was, 40 or 42 or whatever the, of the weeks, we saw a response to iron sulfate, foliar. So magnesium sulfate, do not conflate the two. It sounds magnesium, magnesium, iron, they're all sort of together. Magnesium is a macro element, macronutrient. Magnesium and iron are not. Magnesium is extremely soluble in the soil. It does not oxidize anywhere near the same rate of, as iron or manganese, okay? It will oxidize eventually, but it stays soluble in most soils. Magnesium will remain soluble, which means the turf grass is generally not in, ever in a deficient mode. It's never deficient for magnesium because it, there is magnesium soluble in the soil. If you apply magnesium sulfate, the reason, in my opinion, you don't see a response to seeing to apply magnesium, it will remain soluble. You apply magnesium sulfate as a granular to the soil, it will remain soluble. It will not oxidize like iron and manganese will. But we don't see a response to it. Why? Well, because magnesium is already soluble in the soil. There's already enough magnesium in the soil. So applying more isn't going to help unless you're, you've depleted the magnesium so low in the soil that your turf is deficient in magnesium. Okay. Uh, that's a very, uh, you're, 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 you're stroking my ego, Looney. <laughs> that's an area that I, that I love to talk about these, these elements. So, um, yes, magnesium is very different than the other, the other two elements, but, but manganese and iron are very similar in, in many regards. Um, <clears throat> grass factor says, doesn't manganese applications aid in minimizing or even preventing patch disease in Kentucky bluegrass? Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. When you, when you go from manganese and iron to, uh, mosses and diseases, that's when you're, you're asking me to go outside my lane. You, can, <laughs> you know, I'm driving in the lane of iron, driving in the lane of manganese and I'm doing good. I'm cruising. And then right next to me is the, is, is pathology, right? And we're cruising together. And it's like, well, eh, let me get over there a little bit closer to the, the pathology lane, you know. And I get out of my lane and I don't I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to pathology. And I know those two worlds overlap a little bit, but I don't I don't have an answer for, for that. I can look it up. I can go over the literature in those topics, but I do not know the literature near well as good as I need to know it in order to answer that question effectively. So the answer could be yes, it could be no. Unfortunately, when you get out of, when you move into pathology, um, that's where I have to slow down because I'm getting out of my lane there. <clears throat> Gray says, this type of coverage by you has been needed for a few years and is so refreshing. This can shut down the YouTube cowboys that don't have a clue. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt it shuts them down. Um, but, it, but I appreciate the great word, the, the kind words, Gray, I do. It's something, and all my intent is to, is to help people with, you know, have a positive, I, I want to have a positive impact on my industry. That That's it. Um, it's not to point any finger at anybody, any person, but um, I, I have noticed there's a lot of, YouTube stuff out there. That's like, where in the world they get that from? <clears throat> Burning stumps is a better way than grinding stumps. Yeah, Gardener Earth. I've, I've, I actually thought about that. Actually, just having a fire on top of it and burning it down, letting it kind of burn down through the stump itself. Didn't do it, but I've heard of that. Um, let's see what else. Did you remove all the ground? I don't know what that is. Oh, did I move all the grinds from this? Or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had it ground down. One of them fell over and crushed my part of my deck. Maybe I should show you a picture of it. A tree fell over and smashed and crushed my hot tub and my deck. It's just disaster. So that one got ground down by a professional because it was sticking up about six feet out of the ground when it fell over. The stump, the roots and everything. But yeah, they ground them all down. 
<clears throat> and I was there. They weren't grinding them deep enough. So I was there and I told them, I was like, can you get that down a little deeper and remove? And they did. So it looked fine in terms of the depth of the grind. I'll send, I'll pick, I'll take some pictures and put it on discord later. I don't get it. I don't know. I might actually have to take a soil sample to figure this thing. Out. I don't know. Cause I'm, I'm at my wits end. I can't figure it out. I can't diagnose it. Um, Okay, great. About the tree stump, yeah. I, I yeah. <clears throat> okay, thanks for the comments, Gray, about the tree. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, the black walnut stumps compost. Yeah, I, yeah. It's not a black walnut. It's there were they were elms and a black cherry. I'm aware of the allelopathic influence of black walnut. That's what I thought. That's what I was thinking too. Maybe black cherry has that too, or an elm has that too. I don't know, but uh, it's noticeable. It's bad. And I'll, I'll send some photos later. Maybe you guys can help me out. Um, Gardner said magnesium sulfate is what FDAX is <clears throat> saying to use during nitrogen blackouts. <clears throat> when you say FDAX, you're talking about Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. I thought you're in California or Gardner Earth guy. If FDAX in Florida is recommending that they're not, they're not basing that on anything from the university of Florida, at least nothing from the turf grass team. Cause you know, there's only one or two articles on magnesium and they're written by me. So I don't know when you say FDAX, if that's Florida or California, but thanks for letting me know that. Cause that's clearly not a good recommendation. Magnesium, all the, the magnesium work we've done in Florida, there have been several projects done in Florida and very rarely do we ever see a response. Almost never. <coughs> okay. Pensacola. Yeah. I, I lived in, um, Jay and, um, for, for a summer in, the Milton area garden earth guy. So I'm familiar with that area a little bit. Okay. Let's get to the, the video and, um, we'll, we'll discuss this video and I want to, I want to, ex- I mean, it's only two minutes long, two minutes, 40 seconds long or whatever. And I don't really, uh, again, it's not about the person. It's just about the, the claim, the top, the content that he says in here. And now we, now we have a little bit of evidence. We can use that to um to critically think our way through so this video is from a channel called yard mastery the title is called when to apply double dark lawn fertilizer with six percent iron um i might play the whole thing or i might just skip through it i don't know the claim is at the very beginning that i want to talk about so we'll see how it goes all right y'all so today we're going to answer some questions that we've gotten around our double dark fertilizer and I'm going to give you some different ways that can use it. So we've talked about this before. It's a 1600, 16% nitrogen, but it's got 6% iron. And that's really the key here. Okay. So the 6% iron, as we've already, have I showed you on the PowerPoint presentation? I haven't yet shown you this on the, on the scientific articles yet. So fair enough. It's just my opinion at this point, as far as you know. But on my PowerPoint presentation, we, I showed you the solubility of these different iron sources in the lab. And as, and I'm going to show you the solubility in the soil as we get to that as well. But when you say 6% iron, I can't really see that, but he said 6%. So 6%, but only 0.06 says water water soluble and 0.48 is chelated iron. And you have to look down here on the derived from statement and it says polymer coated urea, fair sulfate. So that's soluble. And then it says iron sucrate and iron EDTA. So there's three forms of iron in there. 6% 
iron in the bag, but only, let's just call it 0 0.5. 0.5% is soluble or chelated. So the 6% is irrelevant. It, it doesn't matter. What's, what matters is, is the 0.5. Because what will happen is on these blends, and I, I know because I've worked for a fertilizer blender for six years, I, I know how this game is played. You can't get 6% iron or EDTA in a fertilizer blend like this because the percent iron in EDTA is so low, it's going to end up being 0.48 like he has right here. To get the 6% to where it looks like there's a lot of iron in it, you got to put an iron source in it that has a very high concentration of iron, like iron oxide or iron sucrate. And that's what he has here. So they'll throw in iron sucrate or iron oxide that has like 50% iron, <clears throat> the actual raw material. And it'll bump this iron up to six and it'll, it'll convince people that there's a lot of useful iron in the fertilizer when in fact there's very little 0.48. However, if you take the 0.48 iron and you run the math on it, and I'm assuming you're going to apply this at one pound in, you'll end up applying about 1.3 pounds of chelated iron per acre around that, something like that. And the article we just showed looked at zero, one, uh, 10 and 50 pounds of iron. I think that's what it was. What was it? Zero, zero, one, 10 and 50 pounds of iron from EDTA. So if you've applied this fertilizer at, I'm assuming you applied it one pound in, you would apply about one pound per acre. You take, you take the, you know, let's say you're going to apply one pound per acre. You divide that by 0.16. One divided by 0.16 comes up with six pounds per thousand, six and a quarter pounds per thousand times 43, 270 pounds per acre. And then you multiply that by uh, 5%. You come up with one, yeah, 1. 1.3 pounds of chelated iron per acre. So regardless of whether the 6% is most of this is 5.5% of this is completely useless. It's, it's oxidized iron, iron sucrate. The 0.5% actually would provide an amount of iron that is similar to the research study we just showed. Let's continue. Is we have high iron and we also have a little bit of nitrogen to pull the iron in to turn the lawn nice and double dark green. Okay, so there's the claim. He doesn't know that. I don't know who this guy is. I thought this guy was uh, on another channel, but um, this one says yard mastery. I don't know all this stuff, but he doesn't know that. He's just making a claim. It'll. He's what he's saying. Let's just replay it. Make sure we're clear. The lawn nice. That's really the key here is we have high iron and we also have a little bit of nitrogen to pull the iron in to turn the lawn nice and double dark green. So he's implying, if not outright stating, claiming that the nitrogen will help pull the iron in and call it and in, 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 result in a double dark green color. <clears throat> now I'm going to go back to the PDF. What did we learn <clears throat> from this paper on Kentucky bluegrass? We learned on the color rating scale, when you're applying nitrogen with iron, there is no evidence in this paper, at least, that is going to do anything <laughs> at all. The iron. When you're applying the iron with the nitrogen in this particular study, we're going to show other studies, but in this particular study on Kentucky bluegrass, you're not going to do anything double dark green. In fact, you're going to result in a masking of any benefit of the iron at all. And therefore, you're wasting your money by applying iron. 
in this in this particular case under the Kentucky bluegrass settings under the under the scenario or the methodology of this particular study. It's only when you don't apply the nitrogen that you see a response or a benefit to the applying the iron. I don't you know I don't even going to play the rest of that video because it's just a commercial is all it is a sales pitch for selling selling something here. I don't think there's really much anything else in there. He just talks about when to apply it and all this other stuff. But the sales pitch is it's double dark. Apply it with nitrogen so that the nitrogen will help take up the iron into the plant and turn it double dark green. Those are really easy claims to let slide by in one ear, not the other. But when you hear it enough times, like, well, that makes sense. I'm going to apply the iron with nitrogen so it gets taken up into the plant. And you'll see it double dark rather than the, the idea being that if you if you applied it without nitrogen, you'd get it green. But when you apply it with nitrogen, you're going to get a double dark green. And what I'm saying on this particular article is there's no evidence to support that at all. The only evidence in this paper that supports the use of iron is when nitrogen is not applied. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not even going to play the rest of that. I'm bored with it, to be frank. Okay. So, because there's really no more anything of any value, and I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to be a commercial for his product. Okay, so granular iron is of very little use, but in this particular study, when he applied it as EDTA, and he applied it, they applied it with no nitrogen, there was a benefit at the beginning, but when you applied it with nitrogen, there wasn't. All right. Uh, da -da -da. That's it. Is that enough said for us? No, no, Okay, that iron would be oxidized within less than a day or two. Um, the iron in that blend, uh, yes, very likely. If you're talking about this double dark blend, the iron in, and I, and I haven't got to that gray, or I'm sorry, um, Eric, I haven't got to the, that exact, I mean, I, I showed the PowerPoint yesterday that showed some oxidation of these elements, even if they're chelated, or at least um, a reduction in solubility. How about that? A reduction in solubility, even if they're chelated over time. I don't know. Um, well, it would depend on the soil pH. So if you applied this to the soil pH of seven or seven, let's say seven or greater and has EDTA in it, then, then there's very good evidence showing that it's going to be no value. It doesn't matter. There's, there's not, it's going to oxidize instantly. Basically there's not going to be any, uh, turf response. Uh, there's really not any evidence to support that. It's when the pH is lower than that six and a half, six, get down there low where EDTA remain, keeps the iron a little bit more soluble for a longer period. And I'll show you that when I get to the, the soil study where I did multiple soils and I had multiple different pHs and it fell in line every time. The low pH soils had an increase in solubility from the use of EDTA and the high pH soils that are above seven had no solubility of EDTA even after, I think it was one hour. I think there wasn't much, um, but certainly after one day. But even in the low pH soils after one day, most of the EDTA was oxidized. I think I think it was sixty or seventy percent of the iron in EDTA it was no longer soluble after one day. So it's not that you can't get a response. I just showed you a paper that you showed you can get a response, but it comes under low nitrogen conditions. It, if you're out there fertilizing the bejesus out of it, you're not going to see a response to iron. In fact, that study that that uh, YouTube uh, video I showed several weeks ago where the gentleman was saying that you shouldn't be doing this and blah blah blah. You should be applying iron this way. I didn't see a response to it. You're not going to see a response to it when your grass is perfect. 
<laughs> okay, it's not going to happen. That's the that's the driving message of this paper. This reason it's so important. I wanted to start with it is that when your lawn is looking perfect and you're applying a lot of nitrogen, applying granular iron isn't going to help. It's only when the grass is slow and deficient in nitrogen and, and susceptible to addition of nutrients. You know that's when you'll see the benefit to applying iron. Now, if you're applying nitrogen and the lawn's looking good, foliar applications will almost always show a benefit. But still, if your lawn's perfect and it's, it's dark green, I've said this before, you're not Nigel Tufnell. You're not going to go from a 10 to 11, okay? The, if the turf is perfect, you, uh, there's no point in applying anything because you can't go from 10 to 11. That's just the way it is. It's when the turf is deficient, slightly pale green or slightly deficient in some element. Then applying some elements to cure that or to, to alleviate that stress or to, to turn it a little darker. That's when you see the benefit to applying those elements. It's not when the turf is growing great with a lot of nitrogen already. Okay. That's the that's the take-home message, really. Okay. Uh, oh, Brady says, Brady19 says, join very late. We'll be <laughs> re-watching this. No problem, Brady. I'm actually shutting things down. I appreciate everybody showing up. I made it through without coughing like crazy. Uh, tomorrow is Wednesday night. I'll be on at 9 p.m. Uh, we'll be going over more iron. So uh, assuming I can get there, I'm, I'm under the weather a little bit, but if I can make it and I think I can get my voice through the hour, I'll, uh, I'll be here tomorrow night at 9 p.m. I'll post the, the link. Um, if you don't see a link, that means I'm sick. And I'll post a link in my community tab on my YouTube channel saying that I can't make it if I'm, if I'm sick and I don't think I can talk my way through it. I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody coming today. I really, I really thank everybody for particip participating in chat. And I uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks. Bye.